the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has many messengers, and his greatest message came through a messenger who was a Galilean carpenter, and because of that, the Jews disregarded it. You know, those uh, words are so rich with meaning. How many of us judge someone, position them by the clothes they wear or the car they drive or perhaps the job they have? That is so wrong, and we're going to hear more about that as Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher, Uh, digs deeper into the teaching from the book of John. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you've joined us for another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands there in San Bruno. And the uh, ministry website for this particular broadcast is studyversebyverse.com. Once again, in the sixth chapter of the book of John, here's Pastor Layton. Verse 31, Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven... To eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, here the argument is specifically Jewish in its assumption and illusions. Jesus had made this great claim to being the Messiah, that is, the Savior. And uh, he had invited them to believe in him, and so they said, prove it. Prove that you are the Messiah. Now, the feeding of the 5,000 connected their thoughts with the feeding of the, of the uh, Israelites in the wilderness. And, uh, and they regarded manna as being the bread of God, and that there was a rabbinic teaching, a belief, that when the Messiah, the true Messiah, came, that he would provide manna uh, from heaven. They also thought that since manna from heaven was one of the greatest works that had been accomplished through Moses, that Messiah would have to at least exceed that which was done through Moses. And so they challenged Jesus to prove his claim of being their Messiah by saying, give us bread from heaven. Now, consider the distinctions. Jesus provided bread on one occasion. Moses provided manna for 40 years, six days a week. Jesus provided bread for 5,000 people. Moses provided manna for a whole nation, that is, two to three million people every day. Jesus gave them ordinary bread. He multiplied the bread that he was given. It was bread that they ate every day, but Moses gave them bread from heaven, sometimes described as the food of angels. So you can see, if you look at it through their eyes, why the Jewish people might have been unimpressed with Jesus feeding the 5,000 in light of what they had been told about Moses. Now, using the phrase, amin, amin, to to understand the significance of of what he was about to say, Jesus rebuked the people for their misunderstanding of manna in the wilderness. He said, first off, it was not Moses who gave you bread out of heaven. It was God the Father. Exodus 16, 4 says, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. 
And then second, the manna was not the true bread from heaven. Jesus told them, my father now gives you the true bread out of heaven. The present tense, didymi, indicates that the true bread was not manna of the past, but what the father was presently giving. The word translated true means genuine or real. The manna that was given in the wilderness was merely a type or an example that foreshadowed the reality that God would give through Jesus Christ, that which comes down from heaven. Third, manna gave physical life, but the bread that comes down from heaven gives spiritual life. The word for life is not bios, from which we get biology, but zoe, and zoe doesn't refer to, to the physical and temporal life so much as it refers to the spiritual and eternal life. That's the kind of life that is being spoken of here. And finally, the original manna in the wilderness was only given to the nation of Israel, but the manna that comes from God is intended for the entire world, for God so loved the whole world. They said, verse 34, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always, every day, all the time. We want this bread all the time. Similar answer to the woman at the well. You know, give, us this, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back here to draw water. Give us this food so we don't have to keep working to put food in our plates. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now remember in verse 33, Jesus said, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. And, and, and because of their lack of understanding, Jesus declared clearly, I am the bread of life. The he that I was speaking of is me, is what Jesus is saying. Now this is the first of seven highly significant statements in John's gospel where I am is joined with metaphors that describe the work of the Savior. So in addition to being the bread of life, I am the bread of life, Jesus also used the I am to describe himself as the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. He also used the I am in an unqualified sense, which connected himself directly to a name of God in the Old Testament, thereby claiming that he was God. Now, when the Lord declared that those who come to him will never again hunger or thirst, he was not speaking of the body, but rather the soul. Remember that in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus expressed the spiritual need to know God metaphorically when he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness is knowing that we are right with God. And through Jesus Christ, we can be right with God because Jesus took upon himself the issue of our sin that caused damage in our relationship with God. And therefore, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our hunger and thirst for righteousness is satisfied. It is satisfied in Christ Jesus. Verse 36, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Now, if you have been, if you've come to believe or been told that Jesus would never receive you for whatever reason, Jesus promises that whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Jesus, you will not be rejected. Amen? Amen. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So not only will you not be rejected, you will not be forgotten. You will not be lost. Jesus said, I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. And furthermore, every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ will be brought back to life on the last day and have eternal life. And Jesus mentioned this and other truths several times in this passage. He's very repetitive because he's trying to get his point across to people who cannot and will not see. Verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? We know where he came from. This passage shows why the Jews rejected Jesus, and by rejecting him, also rejected eternal life. They judged things by human values and external standards. They knew that he was the son of a carpenter, that he'd grown up in Nazareth. What good thing can come out of Nazareth? One of the disciples said when he was told that that's where the Messiah had come from. They were unable to see how someone who was a mere tradesman from a poor home could possibly be a special messenger from God. You know, there's a lesson for us, and that is that we must be, be very careful not to neglect a message from God because we despise the messenger. God has many messengers, and his greatest message came through a messenger who was a Galilean carpenter, and because of that, the Jews disregarded it. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. The Greek text suggests it was more than just arguing. It was fighting. They came to blows. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, this warning, is uh, it emphasizes man's helplessness and inability to respond to God, apart, uh, Jesus apart from God's sovereign call. Unbelievers are unable to come to Jesus on their own initiative. If God did not irresistibly draw sinners to Christ, no one would ever come to him. Now, the word for draw here is helkuin, and the interesting thing about this word is that it almost always implies some kind of resistance. The word for draw was used in John 21, to describe a heavily laden net being drawn in, a net that was filled with fish. There was resistance to that net being drawn in. It's used of Paul and Silas being dragged before the magistrates in Philippi. It's used for the drawing of a sword from the belt or scabbard in, in John 18. The idea is there's always this idea of resistance. God draws men, but men resist God's draw. The Bible indicates that fallen man is unable of his own volition, of his own choice to come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that unregenerate people are, are dead in sin. They're slaves to unrighteousness. They are alienated from God. They are hostile to him. They are spiritually blind. They're captives. They're trapped in Satan's kingdom. They're powerless to change their sinful nature. They're unable to please God. They're incapable of understanding spiritual truth. And although the human will is involved in coming to Christ, since no one can be saved apart from believing the gospel, sinners cannot come to him 
by their own free will. They're, they're blind, spiritually blind. People who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are blind. It would be a, very unkind of us to say something demeaning or derogatory of someone who is blind, to laugh at them if they stumble over something they cannot see. And yet oftentimes believers have such an attitude towards those who are spiritually blind. We say derogatory things about them, but they cannot see. Their spiritual eyes have not been opened. We need to pray instead that God opens their eyes so that they can see. And by seeing, they can choose to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I will raise him up on the last day. Again, Jesus repeats this wonderful promise that everyone who comes to Christ will not only be kept by him but, and not lost, but will be raised again from the dead on the last days. Pastor Layton will continue in the book of John on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse. We're still in the sixth chapter. We'll probably transition into the seventh chapter tomorrow. I hope you can join us. We're running a little bit long today, so I'll uh, say goodbye quickly. I'm Mike Trout. Again, this is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Join us tomorrow if you can when Pastor Layton will once more open the Word of God and we'll study verse by verse.